Movie Marks. and week out we've proven that there is no other wrestlers who become actors themed podcast in the game that can touch us but no matter how many times we come out here and steal the show every other week it feels like we get overlooked well that's not going to happen anymore because kramer and sacco the movie marks we deserve to be your wrestlers who become actors themed podcast champions We deserve it because we're the best wrestlers who become actors-themed podcast. But aren't we the only ones who've done that? Oh, never mind. We're the Movie Marks, and today we're grappling with Countdown, starring Dolph Ziggler. Welcome to the Movie Marks, the podcast where we discuss movies starring professional wrestlers who act like amateurs. I'm Chris Sacco, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the Dolph Ziggler to my Robert Roode, Chris Kramer. Do you want to tell the listeners that you believe Robert Roode is Rick Roode's son, even though it's spelled differently? Okay. First of all, (laughs) (laughs) I no longer believe that, but for the longest time, I did believe it. (laughs) They look the same. Uh, a Bobby Roode used to do the same kind of standing neck breaker thing as, as a as a signature move. I stand by my analysis that it is possible they are related in some way. Well, he's back on TV these days, so maybe we'll finally get a payoff to your fantasy booking. Well, that's why I, I picked that as our tag team this week. Not only does it fit the movie, but you know they're they're current champions when we're recording this, so I, I felt that that was timely. You telling me that. I still don't believe it, and I watch the show every week that they're tag team champions. I mean, they're they're honestly they're they've stuck with it. When they first threw them together, it was nonsense. But they've been a team now for what eighteen months or something. It's been a long time. Oh, it's been a long time, but clearly a memorable run they're having. I don't even know if they're on SmackDown half the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are because uh, Ziggler usually wears that awesome blue SmackDown, uh, you know, hat that they give to the ring crew. <laughs> All right, so today's movie is starring Dolph Ziggler. Uh, It's called Countdown, and it's a doozy. Kramer, you picked it, so it's all yours. All right. Oh, wait, Kramer, Kramer. Oh, yes, yes. We we have listener feedback again. I almost forgot the best part of the show. This is becoming my favorite segment, and I always forget about it because I don't... I never think anyone's actually listening. I also forgot about it, but but here it is. Uh, Carl from Virginia told us that we make him not want to watch any of these movies. So, well, uh, again, it's not really a compliment, but okay, we watch these things so you don't have to. Right, it's not a compliment, but now I feel like we've done some good in the world. Like, we saved someone. True, although I would still tell people they need to go watch uh, Mom, Can I Keep Her? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I agree. But since we technically did some good in the world i feel like we could file paperwork to be a charity now and not to pay taxes oh that that's a good scam we should probably get involved with that all right i'll have i'll have my lawyer uh robert brower call in about that and figure that out <laughs> all right so, so now sorry i interrupted you you were about to break down the earth-shattering plot of countdown go ahead <laughs> oh yeah um like you said we're watching countdown starring dolph ziggler and a little tiny sprinkle of cane 
for some reason. Yep. Uh, this movie was from 2016. It is directed by John Stockwell, uh, who has directed a few movies, particularly two movies with the word blue in the title. <laughs> blue Crush and Into the Blue. Uh, you might better know him as Dennis Gilder, the jock with a heart of gold from Stephen King's Christine. Oh, really? Yeah, the movie. He was Artie's friend. Was that guy's name Artie? It was something like Artie, but... Oh, so so this guy is, is an older guy then, when this was made. He's yeah, not he's an older I... guy. Oh, okay. Good for you, John... What is his name? John Stockton? John Stockwell? Stockton was a point guard. Never mind. <laughs> John uh, Stockwell. Uh, also, he's related to Florence from Florence and the Machines, for all our indie rock uh, fans out there. Random fact. So our <laughs> movie opens with a bunch of footage of Seattle to establish where we're at. Uh, we also get a classic, we bought a drone shot in this opening. <laughs> There's a lot of drone work in this movie. The drone takes us to a boatyard somewhere in Seattle where we meet a Russian gun dealer, Nikolai, who looks like a bootleg Eric Roberts, which is somehow possible in this world. Yeah, I could see bootleg Eric Roberts. We also, as soon as the movie starts, we immediately go from sort of orchestral production company music to BS rock songs, which are going to be constant this whole movie. <laughs> this is that garbage rock that is usually the theme to your B-level pay-per-views for WWE. So it's, it's on brand. We get Nikolai walking around yelling in Russian. So get ready for a lot of that in this movie. 45% of the dialogue is in unsubtitled Russian. <laughs> I also, this guy walking through the job site and yelling at all his uh, employees, this is definitely what Vince does before every show. Oh, yeah. They're just people living in fear. I like that he yelled at the one guy to stop drinking coffee, and the guy knocked over his cup, and it was completely empty. <laughs> he also yelled at a guy who was working on a giant boat propeller to stop and repaint it. Is that really important for a boat propeller? <laughs> To be painted a specific color? Listen, you need to paint those propellers because it helps the fish. I don't know. <laughs> no one's going to see that. It doesn't matter. Dolph shows up with a another gentleman. It's going to be your standard undercover cops looking to make a deal scene. It's not really spoiling anything for anyone if you know what this movie is going in. <laughs> Even if you didn't. This has been every movie along these lines has had this scene. Uh, classic uh, twice in Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> So they don't trust them. They believe their Nikolai doesn't trust Dolph and his partner. So Dolph shoots his partner square in the chest from about six inches away to prove he's right. not a cop. A bulletproof vest would not have stopped any of that damage. That guy probably no, would not have, a, He would have had a crushed sternum. No, not at all. That was point blank into this man's chest. Yes. Th this, this guy playing his partner, too, he pops up throughout the movie. He delivers his dialogue so quickly that I couldn't understand what he was saying half the time. Oh, it seemed like it was his first movie. Like, he was just awkwardly getting all of his dialogue he memorized that he wanted to make sure he didn't forget anything, so he got it out as quick as possible. <laughs> it, it literally felt that way. I could not understand. And he's arguing with this Russian guy who already is difficult to understand because he's he's got a, a thick accent, and then the other guy is speaking so fast, I didn't understand any of their exchanges. But yeah, now he's shot, so he's unconscious. It's fine. <laughs> So he's shot. Nikolai now trusts Dolph to uh, proceed with their transaction. No one checks on this guy. I guess they nope. just leave his body on the floor. Right. They they <laughs> they do have a uh, an awkward explanation about why they didn't feel the need to check him to see if he was dead, which is absurd. 
Yeah, this guy runs his his illegal gun selling business, but he's okay just leaving bodies stacked up around the place in case anyone else shows up. Right, he asked Dolph, "Why didn't you shoot him in the head?" And Dolph says, "No, shooting him in the heart stops the bleeding. That's actually not how bodies work. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's there would be still a significant amount of blood on that floor." So they proceed to have their very quick uh, illegal transaction for these guns, and immediately Dolph says he's a cop. Probably about five minutes after this scene, so a lot of this really was unnecessary, like, showmanship on their part. Yeah, it's... I, I mean, and also, the guy was so inept that I don't even know what the, the... The back door of the boat place was open. Couldn't you just walk in and check that little crate? I mean, <laughs> I don't know what all the, you know, the clandestine sneakiness was for. Uh, the cops immediately swarm in and arrest Nikolai. We find out that the guy that Ziegler shot is his real police partner. Right. who immediately comes over and punches him in the face, and we get the quick background, like we do in most of these movies, where Ziggler is the cop that can't work with anyone else. Yeah. As always, he's, he, he even says sort of uh, sort of melancholy. He says, oh, I guess I'm going to need another partner. <laughs> Ziggler, we'll get to it a few times, but he, he, he doesn't do a bad job delivering his lines, but he just, he's Dolph Ziggler in this movie. I don't think Dolph is bad. In this movie, I really don't. Uh, just as from a performance thing, I mean, he's not asked to do a whole lot, but for what he's doing, it's fine. I mean, we find out that Dolph is playing Officer Ray Thompson, which could be one of the most generic names I've heard for a lead character in a movie in a long time. Yep, he's your standard movie cop that you know is a wild gun that no one can trust. And we head back to the precinct to meet the lieutenant of the police station, played by Kane. <laughs> Why why is Kane playing a lieutenant in this movie? Okay, so so a few things. One, Kane is in this movie because I think they thought it would give the film gravitas or something. <laughs> I I really don't understand it. And also, did his rank change throughout the movie? Because they his... refer to him as captain too, right? Yeah, they call him captain, but when I was going back to make sure I got names, because I had to get a lot of Russian names off IMDb for this movie, they list him as Lieutenant Cronin. And I thought his name was Stan or something at one point, too. I was very confused about what was going on with Kane. <laughs> yeah, I it, it was all very weird. And like you said, he's in <laughs> he's in only a few scenes in this one office building that is clearly not a police station but they pretend no. it's a police station well i mean they cast a human monster as the police lieutenant he sits at his desk which is comically small in comparison <laughs> to him <laughs> he looks like um this is a this is a deep cut but he looks like uh bp richfield from dinosaurs earl sinclair's boss oh, where he's so gigantic <laughs> compared to the desk that's what he looks like he's hunched over so far <laughs> I'm on. Un I'm under the impression that he's in this movie as a contractual thing, so they didn't have to make See No Evil Three. <laughs> I don't. And again, it's the same thing as Dolph. He's not really bad, but I just don't understand. This isn't this like this isn't the body type or person you would cast in this role in any of these movies. This role, this role is normally your like older, retired-looking cop, usually a guy in the end of his career, overweight kind of dude. Just right, mad. Yeah. Your stereotypical Dennis Franz. Uh... Yeah, Dennis Franz. I would have loved to seen Dennis Franz, but instead we get Kane. Who on the posters gets top billing? <laughs> well, he's had the more established WWE films career, so I guess that's what's part of it. 
It's true. Also here we meet another lieutenant who I'm guessing is supposed to be internal affairs, but they never really call her that. Uh, her name is Julia Baker. She's being played by Catherine Isabel. Uh, Isabel's got a little bit of a career as a scream queen. She's probably best known as playing Ginger in the Ginger Snaps movies, which those were almost a thing for a while there. They had a little <laughs> bit of a cult following. Her entrance into this film is straight up insane. We get to follow her walking through the precinct for, I mean, it's like a nine minute trek into the Kane's office. And, you know, all the male cops are looking at her a certain way. She's she's walking as though she owns the precinct and then she uses an inhaler at the end. It's a lot of lot of character development in this walking scene especially it, that inhaler it comes into play again later in a movie but ever never actually is comes into play that she has asthma which is a weird character trait they use in this movie like they're establishing that she has asthma but it's not like at any point is that a like a problem for her in this movie no she has to yell later and she uses it to get her breath to yell that's it, it doesn't prevent her from chasing down a, a perp or, or fighting it's only that one yelling scene Thompson says he's familiar with her. She is the dream crusher, as she's called around the precinct, which is a great name for a wrestler or a finish. <laughs> she goes over Ray's past because clearly this is not the first time Ray has been a problem for the precinct, <laughs> including where she casually mentions that he shot civilians at some point. Right. And we just move past that. <laughs> yeah. Why wasn't him shooting civilians a bigger deal than him shooting his partner? It feels like he should be in more trouble for that. He should already not be a cop, I'm understanding from this setup. But he's <laughs> evidently the hero. And if you can't see, I'm doing the quotations, because I question that a couple times in this movie. So Ray gets suspended for shooting his partner. That was the final straw, not the random civilians he just left in the street at some point in his backstory. Ray just assumes that everyone he walks past on the street is also wearing a Kevlar vest. So he thinks it's fine. He shot a hot dog vendor. He'll get up. It's fine. He's got a vest. <laughs> okay, so Ray is suspended for shooting his partner, not the civilian uh, murders that evidently have happened at some point in his backstory. He throws his gun and badge on the desk in your standard suspended cop scene that has been done a hundred times. Yeah, but what 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 else does he do in this scene, Kramer? Because first, he hits on the internal affairs officer. That he does, yes. He says, you're cute. My note here says, really, Dolph? <laughs> He's the hero. And he refuses to sit down in his chair. So uh, <laughs> Lieutenant Captain Kane has to come over and physically put him into the chair, which I don't know why <laughs> that right. was. I don't understand why this is even a thing. It's very strange. It's because we cast Kane and we need to do something to, to just use that hulking presence of a human in this scene i mean is, is this how he got promoted because he he, he rough handled he, was his... <laughs> he keeps abusing cops <laughs> but but dolph is immediately this is the second scene of the movie he's immediately two different characters in the first scene he's sort of a you know willing to do whatever it takes for the law guy and in this scene he is a prick that seems to be most of his character in this movie where he's he wants to do his job but he also wants to do it completely as recklessly as possible at all times. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about what he uh, what his character is throughout this movie, because I had a lot of questions. <laughs> so he gets suspended and stays at work the rest of the day because you go from this <laughs> scene to him going to his desk. 
He's like copying files onto a flash drive. That wasn't suspicious. Oh, no, not at all. Clearly, he's working up some kind of lawsuit against the precinct, I'm guessing, or (laughs) pulling some things off the fucking servers. He also, we find out that he has a package on his desk, a a envelope that has the most insane (laughs) amount of postage ever attached to an envelope in history. I have the same note. There's so many fucking stamps on this thing. <laughs> it's not even like, it's nothing crazy. It's a flat envelope. It's it's like a larger manila envelope. But it must have about $75 worth of just individual stamps on it. Oh, it was so crazy. And they're all neatly put in. They're like in perfect rows. Like someone used a ruler to put these things on there. It, it, it was insane. And then we find out he's been getting these kind of letters for a while. They say over a year. Over a year of getting these, but he has no idea what they are. Has he never opened any of them? He immediately takes them to his friend in, I don't know, I don't know what she is, bomb investigation, whatever she is. He walks them <laughs> over to her and she's like, yeah, no no clues again. No one has done any more investigation into this. No, he just gets this envelope, brings it to someone else because it's clearly not his problem. And then they just <laughs> have been ignoring it for a year. So, right, great cop. Another another mark on there why you should be on the force. Shooting civilians and ignoring mail. <laughs> so, finally, Ray leaves for the day after being suspended. I guess he had to get in this full eight, whatever his <laughs> schedule called for. Yeah, he's punching a clock. We go to Ray's house, where we learn that his son at some point has tragically passed. But also, this is no longer his home. This is the home of his ex-wife, who tells him he can't keep coming here and that she misses him too. His ex-wife, who lives in a ginormous mansion that is clearly just a prop house that no one lives in. There's nothing on the counters. There's no food there. And the way they show that he's have he had a tough day is because there's three beer bottles that he didn't make all the way to the recycling bin. He left them sort of near the sink. So that's how he know he's he's uh, on the edge of of losing his mind. Yeah, and I mean. And those beer bottles bothered me because they were all just brown, generic beer bottles yeah. with no labels or anything <laughs> yeah, on them. Yeah, yeah, they were. They clearly came from a prop house. He spends the night there, falls asleep in his son's bed. That's the last we see of this ex-wife in this movie. Correct. And he wakes up to a text that he needs to get back to the precinct. So he has been suspended for less than 24 hours. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it looks like he gets there with what at what would have been the start of his shift anyway. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just had his normal time off. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? I'm no cop, but I got a feeling this has something to do with that envelope with all the postage on it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that makes me a better cop than Ray, because at least I realized that after not getting it for a year. <laughs> So we get to a meeting at the post at the post office, the uh, police precinct. <laughs> this should be a postal problem with all of these this postage. It, w- it would have been a more in- interesting movie if he was a postal worker who had to <laughs> track down this uh, this this crime. We find out that this envelope contains the picture of a child and a link to a website. So this seems a little too much for whatever this plan is to have a link to a website in here too. Right. So the the pre the previous year they were getting these envelopes. There was no website information in there. It was just an envelope with with a request for money, but no explanation yep. why. No, we've I, I evidently this uh this kidnapper just saw a daddy dot daddy godaddy.com commercial. <laughs> so he's like, you know oh, so spoiler, he's Russian. <laughs> So much Russian. 
So they, they get to this website. They're trying to figure out how to sign in. None of them know the password right away. And there's this long, awkward pause. Like, Ziggler forgot his line because everyone is just staring at him in silence. <laughs> that I found very bizarre. And they figure out that the password to the website is Ziggler's uh, deceased son's name. Right, but, but now what, we get. But he's been getting these mysterious packages. The password is five letters, which is the same length as his son's name. But what does he try first, Kramer? What did he try first? I don't remember. He tries his fucking home address first. <laughs> so, he, you know, he's 91172 or whatever. And then he's like, oh, you know what? Maybe it's my dead son's name since this, these packages started arriving right after he died. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> the most important thing in your life, you don't try that. <laughs> His son's name is also Mikey, which is just, I mean, <laughs> come on, <laughs> Mikey? That's not a name. Well, it, it goes with the theming of the names in this movie. They're barely names. <laughs> Mikey, Ray. It's like they wanted to name the kid Mike, but they needed the password to be five letters. So like, I have to throw a Y on it. <laughs> they originally, the password is going to be Mike's, and they're like, that doesn't make sense. Why would we pluralize it? <laughs> that doesn't tie into his address, which is clearly five numbers. <laughs> So we watch this video, and it is a child with a bomb strapped to him, and a man, a Russian man, right, demanding a very specific amount of money, which I did not write down, but it does kind of play into this plot later on. Yeah. It's like $2 million and then like $110 or something. It's something ridiculous like that. And in the, in the video, the police look at this bomb and are able to identify everything about this bomb from this video. What the hell was that? <laughs> they knew every single component, how to turn it off, everything, just by this very short video of this child. <laughs> but we're going to get that ransom because we need to get this child. And luckily for them, there's a perfect place to do this ransom drop off. Oh, boy. <laughs> so we're heading to a WWE live event <laughs> at apparently nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yes, nine o'clock in the morning. Well, we we do get a little bit of a build up. We get a lot of B roll of them setting up the house show. It looks like it would be part of like some network special. Uh, yeah, I guess. Did you write down all the cameos? I didn't get all the names. Oh, I I did. I wrote every single one down with an exclamation point after it. Okay, good. I want you to hit us with the cameos because they come pretty quick. <clears throat> so first they do a little ring crew montage where they're setting up the stage and everything. Then we get the Usos. Uh, we get Roman Reigns. Face paint Usos, in fact. Correct. Tino Sabatelli doing some stretching. The Big Show who breaks <laughs> a, a like a uh, resistance band to show how strong he is. So they're also putting over the Big Show in this movie for some reason. We get current AEW superstar John Moxley doing push-ups. Uh, Daniel Bryan stretching against a wall. We get Kofi, who appears to be doing DDP yoga. That was weird. He's doing the diamond cutter thing. Mark Henry. So this was a weird time in wrestling. A lot of oldies in here. And then we get Randy Orton, who appears... We only get the back of Orton. He appears to be walking through the, the gorilla seat, which I don't know why they ended on that. Uh, and then we get more after a few uh, more sort of plot stuff. But my note is that this WWE setup thing is nuts because it, is, it takes you out of the movie so <laughs> far. Like, it doesn't fit at all. I mean, I know if, you, if you're if you watching this movie, obviously you're a wrestling fan. But 
it's just so like we're oh kid with a bomb kid with a bomb and then basically they queue up the uh you know the wrestlemania music and you get this like <laughs> this montage of wrestlers <laughs> it it's it's it had to be a a budget thing because this had to cost them nothing and then most of these wrestlers like i don't even think they knew they were going to be filmed for this movie the way they were just like no the footage that they used of these people i mean some of them yeah i mean like you like i said big show gets a, like a it's almost like a spot he gets but other people yeah they're just like pressed against a wall you know stretching out their quads so <laughs> we get to here we're at the house show they send Ray in to get his tickets at the will call for some reason. It's to stretch out the movie. Oh, this movie does a lot of that. This movie should not be 90 minutes. So we also do this thing in this movie where he's wearing a camera, a secret camera. <laughs> you know, like an undercover camera on his body. But all they do is just show standard camera footage that just has a black and white filter over it. It doesn't look any different from the rest of the footage in the movie. Correct. That always annoys me when they do that in movies. <laughs> Like, just make it look like trash. Is that really that hard? You know those move- those cameras aren't high, you know, definition. Or just not do it at all. I, like, why? Who cares? That's this movie. Why do it at all? Countdown. <laughs> so we get inside. He gets to his seat as the New Day are making their entrance to the ring. Correct. They don't bother to time this out at all. So when you see him going to his seat, the ring area is completely empty with no one making any kind of entrance. <laughs> right. <laughs> And then we get the Ascension making an entrance. Remember those guys? <laughs> they were going to be a big thing. And it, and it turns out there's a triple threat match. I, it's a it's a four-way, actually. Oh, I only have three of the teams. No, there's a fourth team. I couldn't make it out, but there was a fourth team in the ring. Really? Oh. Yeah. I think it might have been Miz. No, because if, no, if the Miz was in the ring, he would have been part of the plot of this movie. He's he's the poster boy of WWE Studios. That's not, that's true. He is. He keeps he, it's built on his back at this point. Right. Well, the other the other team that we get the get the intro is the Lucha House Party, of course. Yeah, I think at this point they were the Lucha Dragons, because I think that was still Sin Cara at this in this time frame. Oh, boy, you're probably right. Wow. But they're still using the same theme music. That's never changed during the whole. And it's not even this. And even right now, current day. It's not even Sin Cara in it anymore, so it's a real mess. <laughs> it's still the Lucha House Party. But also, their music starts, and they're in the ring already, while the Ascension is still coming to the ring, yes. so there's a real just... This is real continuity problems. <laughs> At this point, Ray has to go make the drop-off to where the money needs to be for the kidnapper to pick it up, and during this walk to this seat, you can see all of the fans staring at Dolph Ziggler yeah. walking through this audience, yep. wondering what the hell is Dolph Ziggler doing? <laughs> They're looking at him and then back to the ring, thinking he's going to go straight down there to wrestle, basically. <laughs> like th- like you said, this entire sequence takes this whole movie, like falls apart around this this sequence. And it is this money drop scene takes forever and is so uninteresting. I got to get my ticket. Then I have to find my seat. Then there's a text message about where the seat is. Then there's where I got to put the money. It's so interminable. So the kidnapper comes down. He gets the money. Lieutenant Kane tells <laughs> Ray to, to, to stay back. And of course, Ray ignores him because why is he going to start following rules now? <laughs> they eventually can tell that they make a switch with the bags because the bag had a tracker in it. So Lieutenant Kane calls for them to take him down now, the kidnapper. So when this happens, the insanity in this building just goes to 100. What was any of their plans? What were what was the cops' plans? What was the bad guys' plans? It's immediately thrown out the window. It's ridiculous. 
this, this other undercover cop tries to stop the kidnapper. He gets shot right in the concourse with hundreds of people just all over the place. That was an undercover cop? I thought that was just a merch guy. No, it was an undercover cop because he, he keeps yelling at him to slow down. That was after Lieutenant Kane <laughs> says to go get him. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I, I My note is he just murdered someone on the merch crew. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he kind of. He actually, you know what? He kind of does because <laughs> they start this chase, which leads down towards a meet and greet area where he definitely does shoot a WWE staff member. <laughs> <laughs> so people are getting shot left and right. This show is still going on in the background. <laughs> yep, of course. And they run into the backstage area where we get our most significant wrestler cameo of this entire film. It's wonderful. Where the kidnapper runs past Rusev, <laughs> and then as Ray Thompson comes running in, Rusev stops lifting weights that he was just lifting in this hallway, <laughs> tackles Ray Thompson, takes his gun and cocks it. So Rusev knows how to handle a gun, evidently. Like, what, what, what was like he? Was he doing a citizen's arrest? What was that? He is so in, like, he's been waiting for this his entire life to be able to stop someone with a gun because he was 100% in, ready to go. <laughs> Ray Thompson says, I'll show you my badge and just super kicks him because it's a wrestling movie and it's Dolph Ziggler. He might as well have hit him with the zigzag. Right, basically. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, didn't he have it? But didn't he actually have his badge? Wouldn't it have been easier just to actually show him his badge? He yeah, is a cop. No, this is just, well, he also has shot citizens. So here he's just like, I'm going <laughs> to assault this man who thinks I'm somebody that this he's like, he can't be stopped. This cop is out of control. Ray Thompson is a menace. <laughs> and what is uh, what what does Lana say about Ray Thompson? And then Lana goes, now there goes a real man. So another Russian accent <laughs> yes. from a not a Russian. That's correct. So also, though, if you remember recent history with Rusev, we're building up that cuckold storyline <laughs> from the past couple of years back in 2016, because now his wife, who at this time, was this even when they were doing the storyline together with Ziggler? Would this be the same time frame? Oh, I cannot imagine that the that they had this booked <laughs> smartly enough for that. No, there is so much going on in this very brief Rusev scene. We get to the scaffolding of the building, which is great because as they're climbing the scaffolding, you can see the building below is 100% empty. Yeah. So there's nothing going on in this building while they're shooting it. But then they also cut to a scene of Brock Lesnar making an entrance at a completely different show. Right. With, with Pyro, which I guess is only to have it make sense that the fans don't hear the gunfire. I don't know why else they would do that. You thought more into that than me. I just thought they wanted to make sure Lesnar was somehow in this movie <laughs> because it makes no sense. It's not the same building. Nope. He just is making his entrance clearly at a pay-per-view because we all know Lesnar is not yeah, working a he, house show in Seattle. At 9 a.m. He's <laughs> None of that is at happening. At 9 a.m. <laughs> so we're having a full gunfight in this building the during a house show. No one. This is very similar to... Our episode on Three Ninjas, where everything's just yep. staying active while there's all kinds of violence going on Correct. in the crowd. We get up top, we're in the scaffolding, and they're out of bullets. We have a face-off, and the Russian kidnapper, because he's Russian, <laughs> threatens to blow up the child, and Ray has to kill him. Right. Ray pulls out a secret gun and shoots him dead. Now we don't know where the child is. Yeah. So, so, so real, qu real quick here, Kramer. 
Ray shoots him in the head and then walks over and checks his pulse. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> I didn't notice that he what checked his pulse. Yeah, yeah, he, he's gone, Ray. He's gone. <laughs> no, he's definitely... He doesn't... Under, he, well, he's not used to shooting. He usually shoots people in the chest. So this head thing is completely new to him. So there, Lieutenant Baker gets up there. The cops get up there. Now the panic is that this child is out there somewhere and they have nowhere of finding out... Way of finding out where. Ray Thompson says, I'm still suspended, right? So you can't stop me. I think they could technically stop you. I mean, there are other police that... He just killed someone. They could arrest him for murder. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's not on duty. He's not allowed to do this, but okay. No, he's not allowed to just keep killing people. <laughs> and we now leave this WWE house show, and I am mad. Because the entire time I've known about this movie, I thought this entire movie took place at a WWE house show. Like it's the Van Damme movie, Sudden Death. Sudden Death, yeah. That's what, when you tea, I have, I've never even seen a trailer for this movie. When you teased it, I didn't know that they were at a house show, and then you teased it. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. They're going to be <laughs> in the backstage area of the whole movie, but no. It's about 10 minutes. No, I am now the rest of this review will be extra full of anger and hate <laughs> because I've been lied to. I got worked. <laughs> so he hits the town and Baker follows him to help him find this kid. She forms a grudge bond with him so they can work together. I guess no other cops are on this case because we never hear nothing else about these police working on this. No other cops are on the case and she's in internal affairs. She's not a detective. So a suspended cop and an IA cop are the only ones investigating this. That can't be your best effort if you're the Seattle Police Department. <laughs> when he shot the kidnapper, we saw that he had tattoos. So Ray's initial thought is to go to a tattoo shop. What the fuck was to that? find out about these tattoos? There's nothing that connects this man to this shop. It's just a tattoo shop. Yeah. And he walks in and immediately beats the shit out of everyone. He didn't even ask any questions. <laughs> No, he beats up everyone in this tattoo shop and everyone just in fear of this one man nightmare that is now just <laughs> destroying this place. And he does this all just to ask the guy that's giving out tattoos, the tattoo artist, what these tattoos mean. And when he breaks down what these tattoos mean, what the fuck is this movie doing? Because it, it's it, it doesn't it's not even a good lead. No. And we established that a tattoo of a mermaid means you're a child molester. What is that? Why is why is that line even in this movie? I have no idea. <laughs> we don't need the word child and molester in this movie. So that's going to be the bulk of the rest of this movie. Them following down these tenuous leads to backtrack where he may have put this kidnapped child. And they all make no sense. There's no connective tissue. They gather information that m means nothing and apply it to something else that means nothing. There's there's no reason they should get from point A to point B at any point in this movie. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It, it's it's like it's like they're reading a choose your own adventure book, but ignoring the suggested page number and just going in order. And then at the end, they win anyway. It makes no sense. <laughs> so Baker, they 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 get the information from this tattoo artist. Baker is still shaming him for the way he does his job. No one seems concerned about our time, our time right now for this child to blow up because there's a lot of just arguing going on. Yeah. Well, Ray does have the, the timer on his watch, which is cued exactly to the bomb somehow. But also <laughs> the watch he's wearing. I have a note somewhere in here. Why is it 
from like the 1980s. It's like a Timex that I got for my fourth birthday. Oh yeah, it looks like the old uh, Transformers watch where a little head could pop out of the top of it, the arms snap out of the side. That would have made this a much better movie if he just every so often would flip up a little head on it. (laughs) Optimus Prime says, kid's gonna die in three hours. (laughs) Roll out. So... Now, Ray gets the idea to go back and find the gun dealer from earlier in our movie, who in this time frame would have been arrested yesterday, but I guess was only in custody for 45 minutes. Well, as Ray is uh, is strangling him mafia style in this scene, because that's coming, he does say that the system is is broken. So that this guy clearly has connections he got out of custody somehow. Even that quickly? That seems kind of insane for... It is insane, but what is also insane is, first of all, he puts a, like a, a garrote around the guy's neck. Yeah, he's like Agent 47 from Hitman. Right, no, he's legitimately strangling this guy to death. The guy is still able to have a conversation, which is not how that works. So, But also, so this is the Russian guy you just knew about. Why did you make the detour at the tattoo parlor? Why not just go right to the Russian guy <laughs> who probably, it just, why are the well, Russian... But why are the Russians the villains of this movie? It's so weird. It's such a weird burn at Russians. For whatever reason, this movie makes me feel that all of Seattle is 90% Russian immigrants. (laughs) Because everyone he deals with in this movie is a Russian immigrant. And the weird thing about it is, like, I got legitimately confused during this movie as to who is connected to who. Because Nikolai, this, this gun dealer from earlier has really nothing to do with this kidnapping. No, they have already killed the bad guy of the movie. Right. He's dead. Now, the entire movie is about finding this kid, and we get substitute bad guys throughout the movie. And that's what it is. It's really crazy. It's in reverse. They, they, they win at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back on track so we can get to later on when we can be more confused in a little bit. We get we get to Nikolai's house. The camera opens with a shot up his wife's ass in a bikini for some reason yeah. while kids are playing. Yep. real bizarre choice there. Yep. like you said, he's choking Nikolai with a with piano wire. But yep, blood's pouring out of Nikolai's neck. <laughs> so and here he gives Ray some info that sends him to his next pointless location, <laughs> and he swears vengeance against Ray. That's our Nikolai scene. He'll be back, guys. Don't worry. Yeah, we're we're, we're not done with the boat guy. No. Uh, while this is going on, though, Baker is just walking down random streets of Seattle showing pictures to people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she <laughs> she's showing a picture that they got from a screen grab of the boy in the bomb vest from the beginning. But the picture she's showing them, he's not tied up to a bomb. It looks like his fourth grade school picture. So I don't know how she got this picture because they don't know who the kid is. <laughs> Right, she's out there trying to figure out who this kid is, but clearly she's got some other pictures of him. Just go to his house if you have that yeah. good of a picture. Well, guess what? <laughs> she she luckily finds a random Russian woman and her two children. <laughs> Let me stress, two children for this scene. Because she finds these people, also Russian, as I said, and they know exactly who this kid is. 100%. Yep. She got the right street in Seattle. And they're going to lead her to where this child is from. So she gets led away by this woman and one child. So the second child has now disappeared that they were walking down the street with. Right. He's going to be strapped to a bomb in, in Countdown 2. He's going to be the kid yeah. strapped to the bomb. 
And conveniently, I guess this apartment was on the same block. So we're really lucking out across the board here. They're establishing that part of Ray's detective work at some other point in the past involved this area of Seattle, which apparently is Russia town. I'm serious. I mean, that's what they're establishing, that the that the entire whatever three block radius is all Russian immigrants. And so that's why Baker is investigating this area. It makes no sense. And here we get the next, I don't know, 17, 18 minutes of this friggin' movie are Baker saying something, then looking at this little girl who then says the same thing in Russian without subtitles, then receives a response in Russian without subtitles, then tells <laughs> it to Baker in English. It's it's so painful it is very painful and it hit really close to home with me because i used to work at best buy and (laughs) so often families would come in and the only person in that family that spoke english would be the youngest child so you would have to attempt (laughs) to sell a computer to a family of 12 all while talking to a six-year-old like this is something i've experienced so i'm feeling baker right now (laughs) <laughs> well, Baker find they lead Baker to this child's father. So we're just going right to the heart of this. Like we're yep. at his house, the kid's apartment, there's the father. Yep. And we find out that the father thought he was sending the kid back to Russia, who cares? Yeah, he this just was... lost his kid basically. Yeah, this was a weird side plot. Yeah, there's weird some weird slum lord who's not even really wor- running much of a slum. It was kind of a decent looking apartment. He gets in an argument with Baker for what seemed like an hour about slum lord tenant relations. You know, back rent or are they are they on a, a rent freeze? It was so long. Why did we spend so much time with this fucking landlord? <laughs> We do a lot of things in this movie that you feel like might be something later on that aren't, and this is part of it. Uh, exactly, exactly. The camera kept zooming in on him. I was like, ooh, he's going to be the bad guy. So now we cut back to Ray, who is at the Russian embassy, I'm guessing? <laughs> what the f- Yes! <laughs> and he proceeds to bring a gun into the embassy, Yep. beat up multiple security guards, and attack a diplomat, who, by the way... Gives the greatest line ever from Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> I have diplomatic immunity. <laughs> this diplomat was a fantastic character. Do you notice in his office, he had the largest painting of Vladimir Putin? <laughs> yes. It was a great shot of Putin, just with his like fingers clasped in front of him. He looks like uh, Mr. Burns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, here we are. <laughs> Go ahead. No, it's just it's just a giant painting. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. It was so big and right in the middle of the shot too. They like yeah. they wanted to make sure you knew this was the Russian embassy, <laughs> right? Dolph also points a gun at this guy's dick just for the. <laughs> oh well, yeah. Well, he, you know, he's he's trying all these different places to shoot people now. He's his this world has opened up. <laughs> also, here we have now Ray Thompson is creating international problems. Like this is now he's an international villain. Like he's. He's essentially attacking and attempting to murder people on Russian soil. Uh, yes, he. it's a good thing this takes place in Seattle because he's going to need to get to Canada quick at the end of this movie. <laughs> this is like, Ray is the most reckless cop. This is like a GTA-level crime spree he's going on right well, now. Well, that's what I was talking about before with his character. Like, in the beginning, he seems to sort of be 
you know, interested in the law, but a little bit on the edge. And then the rest of like, I don't know why he's doing all this stuff, too. I mean, I know you want to save a kid, but he has lost his fucking mind. <laughs> he just sees red. He is just violence is the only answer going forward for Ray Thompson. So we have this scene. He stabs the diplomat in the thigh with a pen. This guy's going to bleed out by the end of this movie because he <laughs> jams that thing way in there. <laughs> And this, like you said earlier, just leads us to our next point in the movie that doesn't really make any sense. Nope. He, he leaves, and Baker, who is now ignoring her part of her job, as you said, yep. has called him to come back because they found the kidnapper's apartment, which is conveniently upstairs from the father's apartment in the previous scene. Yep. The, 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 like I said, it's Russiatown. They all live in this one apartment building. We learn vague backstory here that the kidnapper is actually about to be deported. He's been obsessed with Ray Thompson for a while. Ray doesn't know anything about this. Maybe should open one of these fucking envelopes over the past year. <laughs> Baker shows uh, Ray a, a newspaper clipping of, of, a, of a kid. And she says to Ray, is this our kid with the bomb vest? But it's clearly not. <laughs> It's, it's obviously not the same kid, and it's clearly Ray's dead kid. <laughs> right. I mean, she's been carrying around a picture of this kid. Why would she even ask that? Exactly. I don't understand. It's obviously a different child. <laughs> this is this is like the, the, the music video Stan. Like, this Russian has been writing letters <laughs> to Ray for a year with no response until it escalated to a kidnapping. It's the same thing. And again, he's already dead. So the bad guy of the movie, all of this backstory is irrelevant. He's dead. Ray killed him without knowing all of this other stuff. (laughs) We go down to the basement of this building for no reason. Oh my God, that's my note. Why are we? There's a six minute search the basement scene that doesn't have anything. There's no bad guys. There's no traps. There's certainly no kid. Why did it exist? There's no clues. There's nothing. No. They literally go down to this basement and that's it. And they're like, okay, well, let's go upstairs now. (laughs) What? So crazy. We go back outside. Ray's truck has been stolen. That's not anything in this movie. It just was stolen. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's just to get him in the same car as Baker. That's the because they had been riding separately this whole time. But I guess they felt that that was the best way to do it instead of just saying let's ride together. <laughs> I know it's like I, I, at some point I was waiting for somebody to ride back into this movie in his truck. Like they made. <laughs> so bizarre he takes a lot of time to tell us that the truck cost forty thousand dollars too that's very important yeah, he's so upset about this he's <laughs> like it costs this much this is what this town's all about there's no good people in this town it gets real dark real quick about this truck well in his defense he, he's probably going to lose his job so that, <laughs> that if he paid 40 grand for that he's in trouble okay so we go from the apartment after we've established that there was nothing in the basement luckily <sighs> so we hit the suburbs of seattle where they are going to this house. No one's answering the door. They just walk in. There's a woman cutting a head of cabbage in this <laughs> kitchen. And they meet the bomb maker. That I don't know what the point of him in this movie is. This scene is bizarre because the women that are in the background, the bomb maker himself, even Baker and Thompson, no one has any energy in this scene whatsoever. No. It, it's, it's... it is so bizarrely acted right yeah. now. Yeah. It's... I don't know... And, and they're also they're implying that this is the bomb maker's family, but his daughters are all on the couch like they're at a brothel. It's all. Yeah, really, that's what I thought it was. Yeah, it's all really weird. And we learn that this is like a bomb maker with a heart of gold, I guess. Right. He, he <laughs> is openly admitting like, yeah, I make bombs, but, you know, it's all good. 
Like the, it's for people that need bombs for good reasons. <laughs> Does he think he's not going to get arrested now? I don't understand. Well, when they explain to him that his bomb is currently being used on a child, the bomb maker says if it makes them feel better, he didn't cash the check. No, that doesn't make me feel better. That makes me. That makes it worse. You're just making bombs for free. <laughs> I don't... It's so, and he's also, this guy is not Russian, actually. No. He's Ukrainian, which I guess that's why he hates Russians, even though he gives them bombs. It's all very confusing. (laughs) Also, how did this random obsessed with Dolph Ziggler guy have the money to pay off a bomb maker? He lived in a slum. Uh, Maybe, maybe, well, you know what? That's why he didn't cash a check. He didn't have the money. If he would have cashed a check, it would have bounced. (laughs) This guy knew that this guy would make him a bomb just on the goodness of his own heart. (laughs) (laughs) And and again, this is another character who we think is going to be the main villain of the movie. But no, he just kind of helps them and then never see him again. No, he doesn't even get arrested. No. He He just goes about his bomb making ways for the rest of his days. That's it. Yeah. We leave this house and... The Ray Thompson's original partner shows up and maces and beats his ass. <laughs> so throughout this entire movie, the only person that has been able to stop the menace of Ray Thompson is his old partner. <laughs> I like how uh, Baker gets a little bit of mace that ricochets off Ray from the other side of the car, but she has to sell it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they arrest Ray Thompson because the belief is that this is all his plan, this kidnapping and bomb situation. Right. There, there's a long, long scene in an interrogation room where they lay out. It all goes the... on so fucking long. Oh, God. There's all this stuff like, oh, uh, you know, you have a bank account and a P.O. box. And to every single thing, Ray is saying, that's not mine. I don't have that. That's not mine. I don't have that. So again, and then at the end of this, he sort of blurts out, oh, they set up to frame me just in case. But how is this random Russian guy able to do all of this? This guy's a master fucking criminal, evidently. Here we get the backstory about the death of Ray's son. We find out that he was killed by a cop that was drunk driving, and Ray sued the city for $2 million. It's it, it, it's a it, weird thing to put in this movie. It's so unsatisfying as, as a backstory for why his son is dead, and the only thing it does is it supports this frame job that he is now taking revenge on the city of Seattle, but at, from a from like a character perspective, it's so unsad. There's no, I want to get revenge for my son's murder. It was just a, like a really sad accident. It's just it's so unsatisfying. Yeah, it. This is what happened when you kill your villain at the start of the movie, basically, yeah. and have nowhere to go with it. <laughs> Ray beats up his old partner to escape from the the precinct. <laughs> my note here is in all caps. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> because he's really about to single-handedly try to break out of this police precinct. He goes on a Terminator level, like <laughs> this, like prison, uh, like not, not prison, precinct, like, <laughs> like just chaos attacking every cop. No one can stop him. He's beating up multiple cops at a time. And this police station <laughs> is enormous. It's like a, it's like a high rise. It's six, you know, whatever, seven stories tall. And he's just going through different levels, like a video game, beating the shit out of yeah. people. Of every single cop, not not one of them can stop Ray Thompson. <laughs> right. Not not even uh, Captain Kane. No, Captain Lieutenant Kane <laughs> shows up and just gets punched in the dick. Yep. Yep. 
Gotta gotta keep Kane looking strong. They eventually corner him, and Kane just starts shooting him with with bean bags from a shotgun. Yeah, repeatedly. Repeatedly, and and Ziggler is basically no selling it. Right. Like, Kane he's was just, just... kind of like going like ooh ah ooh, <laughs> but not like it wasn't hurting him. No, and Kane was just working through some stuff. He just really wanted to shoot uh, Ziggler. Well, he's got punched in the dick. <laughs> Conveniently, right across from where this is happening, there is a guy washing a window, a yep. normal, everyday, blue-collar guy just washing a window. Inside, on on a uh, like a scaffold. Inside the building. Yeah. <laughs> inside. He's, that's, let me, yes, he's inside a building on one of those window washer type, like, tiny chairs that they hang off a building. Yep. And Ray Thompson jumps on his back in an effort to basically try and kill this man. This is another <laughs> civilian that he's trying to murder, I guess. Kramer. Did you see the stunt double that they had for Dolph Ziggler when he's standing on the... I did. Oh, my God. I didn't notice him. I'm going to send you a picture. Folks, we're going to put it on the Instagram. This stunt double, <laughs> Dolph Ziggler is like a chiseled, blonde, you know, Greek <laughs> god of a man. This stunt double looks like... I, I don't even know how to describe him. He's he's tiny. <laughs> you have to... It, I took a picture of it. It's going to be on the Instagram when the show comes out. It is so crazy that they thought this guy could pass for Dolph Ziggler for even an eighth of a second. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing this now because I missed it. Oh, I was taking so, my notes. It's so bad. Thompson manages to escape. Baker's waiting for him outside and they get away. Here yep. is where we get our Die Hard 3 plot where yep. we find out that the kidnapper is related to someone that Thompson had put away at some point or had deported or I don't know who gives a flying fuck at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's where the money thing ties in. The guy got deported with like a hundred bucks in his pocket. So that's why the ransom demand was for two million and a hundred dollars. But even, yeah. And like, even with that is like that guy put that on the ransom demand. Like that was really going to drive home to, <laughs> To Ray that this is what this is about. And that did not... This guy, Ray Thompson, has not thought about this dude nope. since that day. Yeah, and, and this guy is dead. Right? Right? Because he got... Yeah. The, the kidnapper's brother got deported and then immediately hung or something. He got executed for a yeah. crime. So so the so the bomb... The kidnapper is... Ta it's... What the fuck? This revenge plot is so <laughs> convoluted and completely unnecessary. We are filling in backstory for a character who has been killed. I don't care anymore. <laughs> and this is where my original note that I brought up earlier is where I say, I don't understand this movie. I don't know who's the bad guy anymore. No. There's all these different Russians. Half of them aren't even connected to each other. They just happen to also be Russian. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's such it's so unnecessarily complicated for nothing. Yep. There are so many red herrings that are completely pointless. We get in the car and we head to this logging area because we're in the Northwest. So there's definitely a logging site coming up. <laughs> right, right. And this is where the kidnapper used to work, evidently. He was the night watchman there. They meet the, I guess, the owner of this logging site who says, I guess he doesn't work for me anymore. He has a hole in his head. <laughs> Classy well, line. Well, Ray is showing everyone this picture of a dead body. <laughs> so. He's been doing that all day. Yeah, yeah. everyone... He's been showing it. To, he, th we didn't see the scene where they went to a Carl's Jr. and so showed it to somebody. <laughs> That's right. I use Carl's Jr. because I know Northwest chain restaurants. 
We get there. They're going to go search around this logging site. I guess they assume this is where the kid could be now. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> so here's some more filling in time of them just wandering around yelling names into a void. This is, if this were a musical, this would be the reprise of the basement scene because it is a waste <laughs> of fucking time. Same shit. We look through dark rooms. Nothing there. Let's leave. But also here, the owner of this lot, he makes a phone call about they're here. Yep. Do you want me to keep them to somebody? Now, we're going to find out that he was on the phone with Nikolai, the gun dealer from earlier in the movie. Yep. Just for whatever reason to tie this story back into Nikolai? Like... Yeah. It just This is the only, this is how they figured out how to get Nikolai back in this movie, basically. Yeah. I don't know what you want okay. me to say. I, <laughs> I, there's no explanation. This guy is not Russian, but he's working for the Russians. Nope. So I don't... Yeah. I, I don't understand. You're look. You're looking for something I cannot give you, Kramer. It makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> While they're searching around, Baker gets an email because for some reason this woman just keeps receiving emails instead of phone calls about all of the information in this movie. And she reads this email, and oh no, we've got a giant plot point we're about to reveal. We get Ray into the car. We find out that the kidnapper has been working at the police station for months now. What the fuck? <laughs> we have all this security footage of the kidnapper working at the police station, clearly rolling around a garbage can full of <laughs> child? <laughs> so you're telling me, how did he get a bomb into the police station? Didn't set off any metal detectors? No metal detectors. They don't check check anything. Oh. Clearly, also, he didn't need to keep putting this postage on these envelopes. He could have just dropped it off on the desk. <laughs> He's been wasting money on postage for a year. I didn't even think that. <laughs> so, uh-oh. Lights go off. We got to get back to the police station because that's where the kid's been the entire time. Unbelievable. <laughs> There's no reason why we go to any place in this movie. <laughs> we try to leave this lumberyard, but they are cornered by Nikolai and his men, who then proceed to have one of the most unimpressive car chases oh, I've ever terrible. seen in it's, my life. It's terrible. It's all on like a one lane dirt road, and they can't even get next to each other to like bump nope. each other. It's so. <laughs> They're going like 25 miles an hour. <laughs> it's like a reasonable speed <laughs> down a straight road. They're shooting at, <laughs> they're shooting at their car, and the windows are kind of, sort of bulletproof, which I don't understand. They are bulletproof for like three shots, and then they start flashing red, and then quicker red, <laughs> and then they break like a video game. And then Dolph tells her, "Roll down the window so I could shoot at them." The windows are fucking bulletproof. Why would you roll them <laughs> down? <laughs> I. I like when he's shooting at them in this scene, too, because clearly he doesn't really know how to hold the gun. Like, the way he's holding it is, like, all, like, left and, like, upside down. Yeah, he's just, he's just he's like, like, swinging it around. He's shooting it like the assassins in that movie Wanted, where if you flick your wrist, yeah. the bullet goes faster. <laughs> There's really not much to this awful car chase. It no. really just ends when Nikolai drops a grenade so he dies by accident essentially what was his plan he was going to throw the grenade <laughs> out the window into the other car's window yes, Gr grenade should have never plan. been involved in this 
Well, it was just in the glove box. He had one grenade yeah. in his glove box. You know, you keep box of tissues, your license registration, grenade. And I love the fact that when the grenade goes off in his car, it cuts to a scene of his vehicle completely stopped. Yeah, what was that? <laughs> it wasn't even like a cool rolling explosion. The car was stopped. <laughs> no, it was just stopped in the middle of this quarry all of a sudden. You know, a safe place where, like, the Mythbusters are practicing things. <laughs> What would happen if a Russian drops a grenade in the car? Let's find out. Oh, that's the end of Nikolai. I'm glad he was in this movie. <laughs> we get back to the police station. We search a police station and we find... I don't even remember this kid's name at this point. I know it was something actually kind of hard to pronounce, so I didn't even write it down. Uh, it was uh, Anatoly. Anatoly, sure. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of energy this kid has in his role, my, it doesn't matter what his name is. No, no. <laughs> they find this kid... And then proceed to run from basically the basement to the top floor of this police station, carrying this child, yelling at everyone to get out of the building. First of all, why wouldn't you call the bomb squad and leave the kid where he was? Second of all, they bring this kid with a bomb strapped to him into an elevator. That seems like the worst idea. <laughs> what if it gets that stuck? Was a, that, that, that is the trilogy of the lumberyard basement, now the elevator, because that scene is just them standing in an elevator, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> waiting. <laughs> they get back up to the top floor. Where he brings him to the desk of the woman that was his friend from earlier in the movie. She tries to explain to him how to take off this bomb. And he just starts yelling at her. I know, I know, I know. It doesn't even let her tell him. Real asshole move here. Isn't she in the bomb squad? Why is she? Yes. It... <laughs> why is he telling her to leave? Yeah, he doesn't even let her aunt say anything. He just shuts her down. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to do it. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this kid at no point has any emotion no. during any of these scenes nope. not scared not happy nothing no if you told me that they drugged this kid <laughs> just so he would sit still i would have believed you because he's just short of drooling this entire time <laughs> well speaking of drugging him how does dolph uh, get the bomb off him uh he just shoots him in the crotch with liquid nitrogen until <laughs> it comes off <laughs> that's my exact note he's shooting this kid in the nuts with a freeze ray <laughs> <laughs> this kid this kid is sterile now <laughs> <laughs> because Dolph Ziggler froze his balls off <laughs> and they free him from this bomb and they manage to get away from it far enough that it does go off and you see the worst CGI explosion on the oh, it's bad. ninth floor of this police station. Yeah, it's bad. And that's pretty much the end of the movie. It's like, it, this is how this movie ends. It's such a anticlimactic like ending to this movie he just walks out of the building everyone's like yay ray you're the best ray is now an international criminal yeah like the shit that they have to unpack from this day is going to take years yeah no he, and he he punches his ex-partner who to be fair was only doing his job he was following evidence like right. he, he's he's not really nice but he's just doing his job kane captain lieutenant uh, Mayor Glenn Jacobs allows him to just leave after punching his partner, and then Dolph walks towards the parking lot to his st not stolen car. I don't know where he's going. He's walking home now. <laughs> That's right. His car is gone. <laughs> his car's not there. So he just starts walking to the parking lot, and then we get the '80s freeze frame, like it's the end of the goddamn Breakfast Club. <laughs> I would have loved if this just ended with him stealing a car too. It's like, oh, well, we're this deep in. Might as well just. Do this all now. <laughs> that is... That's Countdown. Yeah, it's... This movie, 
actually worked backwards. I think you said it best. This movie started with its ending and worked its way to the start. It's it's such a, a strange, strange decision to plot this movie in this manner. It's really weird. So that's it. Do you have any other full thoughts on the plot before we move on? I have zero. I had zero thoughts on the plot coming into this. So, yeah, I got nothing else. <laughs> All right. So. I think you listeners, you deserve to have an equally confusing process of review <laughs> to know how this movie was. It's time for the three count. So, first things first. Is this a wrestling movie? It is a wrestling movie. Um, tons of wrestlers. There's a, there's a friggin' 9 a.m. house show in the movie. Uh, <laughs> Dolph's throwing around super kicks. Yeah, it's it's a wrestling movie. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna say it is a wrestling movie, but I don't feel good about it. I was <clears> lied to. I thought it was more of a wrestling movie, and it upsets me. Yeah, I, I thought mean, we were gonna get all kinds of cameos, like real cameos, not just weird Rusev cameos and bad B footage. <laughs> so then, is it a good movie? No. Now I will say that. <laughs> I don't exactly think it's bad, which is part of the problem with it. It's not bad enough to sort of laugh at the absurdity. It's very boring. It's not interesting. There's so much dead air in this movie. But like I said, it's not really directed badly. You know, everything kind of feels like it's a real movie, but it's just so uninteresting and boring. Yeah, it's. it's I agree. It's a bad movie, but it felt like people were trying to work with what they had as best as they could. Yeah, I agree. But they were they were so so handicapped by the ingredients they were given that the meal they're trying to make is no way it's going to be good. <laughs> like this is just this is we're making what we got, guys. Yeah. I think it's a little weird Ziggler hasn't done any more of these. Yeah, I agree. He's not bad. He's really not. So, if we were to put this on a wrestling show, a real wrestling show, a 9 a.m. house show, if you will, where would you put this on the card? <laughs> well, for, first of all, this belongs on a 9 a.m. house show. But I, th <laughs> this is a jobber. I'm sorry. It's not It's not fun enough to be an opener. It's definitely not in your mid-card. Everyone's going to walk out. I mean, no. what are you going <laughs> to... So th this is a jobber. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have it down as... I agree. It deserves to be a 9 a.m. house show on the B loop. So you're not even getting the top guys on this one. <laughs> This is when this is back in the eighties when you were getting shows headlined by the barber. On, <laughs> you know, you got really disappointed when it wasn't a Hulkster house show. You're not getting that MSG crowd. <laughs> um, I would say it's a jobber, but I would put it even lower than jobber. Oh God, this is a jobber dark match. <laughs> we <laughs> we sent Dolph out there to see if he could get a job done. <laughs> and he couldn't. So since it's a dark match, it doesn't really count, and we're not inviting him back. I mean, after this, the extent of his acting was playing Colonel Sanders in those weird KFC fighting ads. <laughs> it's it's a sh I think you're being a little hard on on Dolph. I think he was okay. If uh, if we ever get a chance, he has a short film with. Uh, yeah, I want to see that with where he travels through space and time yeah. with. Johnny Nitro, aka <laughs> John Morrison. You know, it's, it's like 15 minutes long. You know, it's funny you, you bring up John Morrison. As we watch more of this crap, I'm remembering Boone the Bounty Hunter more and more fondly. Like, I kind of like that movie more <laughs> and more now as we watch some of this other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
as as you learn so far, I hope you've noticed the movies I pick. I am choosing violence. I want you to hurt and feel <laughs> bad about the things I'm picking. I, I have noticed that it's very on brand for you. <laughs> All right, so that's that's the three count, which means the only thing better is the swerve. This is the swerve. All right. So this week, the swerve is going to be a little different. I'm throwing you a curveball. Oh, God. It's going to be a bit of an association exercise. Uh, okay. If you're worried about scoring, I'll give you some arbitrary whose line is it anyway points at the end. Okay. That way you could feel better about yourself. All right. Yeah, that works. In my research, this movie came out in 2016. And looking at this, I found out that 2016 was kind of a big year in WWE. I don't know if, how much you remember from 2016. Uh, nothing. Well, here I'm going <laughs> to jog your memory. I'm going to give you a few moments from 2016, which is, you know, roughly five years ago. And I want you to give me the first thing that comes to mind when I tell you about these moments in WWE from this year. Because this was kind of a big year. All right. Asuka defeats Bailey to become NXT Women's Champion at TakeOver Dallas. That would be her first title reign. I don't even know what to say. The first thing that came to mind was that weird <laughs> Asuka in the front row intro before she even appeared in NXT. That's what came to mind first. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> what was I supposed to say? Is that the right answer? I don't I know. Mean, no, yeah, I'll give you a point. But I'm just saying, <laughs> in 2016, she won her belt for the first time and then was champion for 510 days. Never lost that belt. And then would go on to just have the most bizarre like main roster <laughs> up and down career. SummerSlam 2016, Finn Balor wins the Universal title. <laughs> Finn Balor now back in NXT. <laughs> NXT held the belt for 24 hours. Yeah, that's depressing. And then also in 2016, Daniel Bryan retired. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, he's back. <laughs> he's back. He's, he's unretired. And clearly... Clearly has no care about his neck anymore because yeah, that, he has not stopped. <laughs> that that's yeah, that's weird when, when these people retire and then come back. Like they retire because they're gonna die if they take one more bump and then they just come back. No, and that's everybody now. Edge, everyone's just coming back. Yeah. Sting is it. over on yeah. Sting is on AEW now, just taking full power bombs in the <laughs> ring. Like it's insanity. You were supposed to be giving me points. How did I do? Well, I'm, I was gonna tell you at the end. Oh, okay. You got four points. Okay. I think that's good. That is good. Uh, this was this was probably the worst swerve, but I was trying something new. I mean, I liked it because that I didn't realize that was such a big year. Like that's, it feels that's why like... I was so amazed by it. That's what kind of overrid it. And the bonus one that year, this is the same year Shane came back. Oh, wow. We're heading into Mania season, so we'll be seeing a lot of Shane. <laughs> I think we've done the job for Countdown starring Dolph Ziggler. Sacco, who's coming to the ring for our next episode? Well, you actually set me up for this a little bit unintentionally with your last comment. Our listeners may not know that forget Christmas and Halloween and Thanksgiving. Your favorite time of the year is the time of year when everyone gets to point at enormous signs. You love WrestleMania season. You love it for all the indie stuff that's attached to it. You love it for the big shows. You love it because you get to mock all the booking decisions that WWE does. So in honor of Mania season, as a treat to our listeners, our next episode is going to be released a week early, and I have chosen a film starring this year's Royal Rumble winner, the man who will main event WrestleMania. We're watching an R-rated movie starring the rated R superstar, Edge. 
in 2016's Interrogation, which also stars a cameo from this movie, Lana. Oh my God, when did she make a movie with Edge? I have no idea about this. They are the co-leads in Interrogation. Oh, she has to be awful in this. I I'm, I really hope she keeps the Russian accent. Oh, she better. And you said it's R-rated? It is, yes. Oh man, I'm going to see Edge's hog. This is going to be great. <laughs> So I'm very excited. It's a special treat for Mania season. Uh, it's it's going to be a blast. And until then, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Apple, we're on all the big ones. You can follow us on social media, which you should do because we're going to put up that Dolph Ziggler stunt double pick. And, and it's it's wild. You can follow us Dolph on... Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> follow us on Instagram at movie.marks or on Twitter at movie underscore marks. If you want to contact us, have suggestions for stuff we should do, want to make fun of us, want to tell us if you've watched the movies we watched, you can email us at themoviemarks at gmail.com. And of course, we are seeking corporate sponsorship of any kind. We will do anything for money. That's that's the message here, folks. Until next time, I'm Chris Sacco. I'm Chris Kramer. And we're the Movie Marks. What? You've got to be kidding me. They someone checked my truck. That's a forty thousand dollar truck. Damn it! Okay, just get in. I'll call oh, it. Oh come on! No one saw anything. Just ride with me. We'll call it in. This city's a sewer.